This is Life Elsewhere, created and hosted by Norman B. Hello there. Welcome to Life Elsewhere. I'm Norman B. Coming up, a very special conversation with the three clubmen. Now, I want you to listen very carefully. You're in for a treat. To begin, the first cut off of the Three Clubmen's debut EP, Avatrix. This is Life Elsewhere.
Patrick Loveman, Eva Tricks from there. I'm going to be just magnanimous about this and say I just think it's a terrific EP. It really is. I've been playing it on the show for some time now. The three clubmen happen to be with me. Jen Olive is in Las Vegas. Stu Rowe is in Swindon. And Mr. Andy Partridge is in an undisclosed, secret, mysterious location. Welcome yes, to Miles, all three Miles Underground with Miles Chris Underground. Okay. <laughs> well, welcome to all three of you. I am very delighted to be able to, to chat to you. Let's talk about there's something which caught my attention when I was reading just a little bit of the PR stuff that, that your PR person sent to me. And it says the chemistry was instant. The room was buzzing and the ideas flowed over pints at the Roaring Donkey Pub. Okay, we can't <laughs> go any further without discussing the Roaring Donkey Pub. Kick, and kick you used off. to work for the advert, didn't you? Didn't you used to work up there? I, I did. It, it was the... There's a, a well. There used to be a, a, a local newspaper in Swindon called the Evening Advertiser. Swindon yeah. Evening Advertiser, and all of the reporters and staff used to drink in a tiny little pub in a in a back alley behind it called the Roaring Donkey. And uh, a really nice couple ran it for for a few years, and uh, they did great ale in there. So uh, myself, I'd, I'd end up that it ended up being my local for a few years, and uh, I think Stu was, uh, you know, would be convinced to go in there as well. And uh, Jen, did you ever get in there? I only got in there a couple times, couple right. of times. But, yeah, uh, I, I, I quite I, like. I the, got the experience. Yeah, <laughs> I quite like the vibe in there. I must admit, it was um, it was in a little area called Little London. Oh, because way back in the Victorian era, all these um, sort of Cockney ne'er do wells had moved down to Swindon. Swindon and all seemed to congregate in that one area, all ran by the Roaring Donkey. Well, it's a great story, and I just love the name. And I and I just for my American listeners. I, English pubs and English pub names are just they're they're so unique. There's not anything like it really anywhere else in the world. It seems to me names like the Roaring Donkey. I just love it. I think the name comes from the the print machines that they sounded like a Roaring Donkey. Ah, that's, that's what it was, it was called something else. But at some, in the day, in you know when when the, when the when local newspapers actually used to print, print, you know, yeah. Letterpress, yeah, yeah, yeah. When they did that, they, the noise sounded like a roaring donkey. I think that's what it's called. And I believe the only time we spent a day in the studio, I think, it was in here. We went to the roaring donkey for a pint, and that's when the name, the club, and the three clubmen was. Changed. Okay, so, so let's it, talk. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's deep into the story. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the name, because I know people are going to ask. They've already asked me. They've said, well, ho hold on a second. The Three Clubmen, it, it has a sort of a connotation of, of something, but I'm not quite sure what. Now, I've read the PR blurb that I've got on this, but I just want one of you to maybe, Stu, maybe you can give us a, 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 a sort of an overview of where the name came from. Actually, I'm going to let Andy do this. Oh, okay. All right. Was his, he, he came up with the name. It's a great story. But there yeah, you go. Yeah. Andy's, <laughs> Andy's our historical expert. <laughs> yes. So I'm going to gather round, children. Uh, during the English Civil War, uh, you were expected to take one side or the other. You were either expected to, to be a parliamentarian or you were expected to be a royalist. And uh, certain counties had big groups of people that did not want to pick sides and they made their own militias their own protective kind of force which were inevitably called the club men and um you know they would have no truck with either side they wanted things to be their way they didn't uh -huh. want to we don't want to go this way or we don't want to go that way. They they said, no, this we'll do it our way. And they were inevitably called the clubmen. And, and Wiltshire had um, several brigades of clubmen, I believe. 
And um, we were going to just call ourselves the club men. And then I think Stu said, oh, I've been looking around on the net and there are, you know, some other musicians or bands or whatever that have chosen the club men. And so uh, we just chose the three club men uh, because there are three of us. So indeed, that's, yeah. that's the story, folks. And it's a great story. And I like it. Let me ask you this about about being the three of you in in a band, I guess. Would you call yourselves a band, a group? I mean, it's, it's funny these days how to, how to describe what people do. So, so no, you, I'd say it's, it's a pro, it's a project. Project, the yes. project. It, yeah. it kind of grew out of. I was doing a lot of projects with different singers and yes. musicians, and then um, I sort of met Andy and Jen. So we started working together on a very loose project. We came, but then it became very obvious that. There was something that the three of us could do, but it's not not really a band as such. We're not we're not going out on the road or rehearsing in the garden in the garage. But okay, um, so that that leads me to yeah. ask you because I wanted to get to this and ask you about performing and performing live and going out on the road. So this is not part of the plan, or or is it down the road a piece? No. It's, I don't think we we had it on the schedule uh, to do that. It's more of a because the whole project is improvised. Um, how does one take the best constructed collage of improvised pieces uh, and then just reproduce it live over and over again? That to me, that kind of kills off the the intention. The intention was that. It be uh, things that we we threw at the canvas and then scraped it away over months, years in some cases. It, it is what it is. It's the best of an improvised, um, grabbed pieces. I mean, nobody sat down to write any songs or anything. They were just simply, uh, oh, try this line, try this chord, try this uh, this this little piece of music here, and uh, we cut away probably more than we use. So. The idea of reproducing it over and over and over again live, to me, seems to kill off what is really good about the project. I think I, I read somewhere, Andy, and I may have got this slightly wrong, but I thought I saw a quote that you said that the three clubmen are like a Jackson Pollock painting. It's sort of, it's in the moment. It, it's, it's, did I get that quote? No, no, that's a reasonable analogy. It's, yeah. it's, we're throwing oral paint at a canvas, a blank canvas and, oh, try this chord, try, try this, this figure to go over it. Uh, why don't we try this figure in another key? Oh, that's a bit jarring, but I kind of like that. I prefer yes. that. Yeah. And, and what happened was really scraping away the stuff we didn't need reveals that the stuff that we did need, right. it's, a, it's a different way of, call them songs if you want to, but it's a different way of constructing pieces of music with vocals, closer to, to improvised jazz in many ways. Jen, I've got to ask you, there you are in Las Vegas, and I'm curious to know, working with two Englishmen with their dour sense of humour, that English sort of... <laughs> <laughs> how, how has that worked for you? I don't... It's funny that you ask that because um, I don't experience English people the way that they're typically characterized. I have, that is just not my experience. Um, maybe because they're musicians or, you know, artists that uh, I, I don't perceive them that way, but I really don't perceive it that way. I experience them as wacky and very funny and very uplifted. I don't, I don't catch the dour aspect. Well, I was being so a little, it, little tongue, tongue in cheek there. I was being just, but there is the the, the the British sometimes are perceived as being a little sort of, you know, a yeah, little, and uptight and stiff, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I will say they both have better manners than I do. <laughs> that <laughs> that, that is use, the truth. <laughs> they use a knife and fork when eating instead of just a fork, right? Well, actually, they eat pizza with a knife and fork. I mean, and we won't get into that, but um, yeah. shocking. Yeah. Um, and then cake with their hands. Uh, who who can understand these things? Exactly. But, uh, yeah. I don't really experience that divide that you're talking about. The sensibilities are there. The musical sensibilities are there. The point of view is there. Yeah. So yeah. It we, we, all speak, very... we all speak music. So yeah. It's not yeah, music with each other. So there's no case of. We don't mm, have an accent in that. 
in that regard. You know, and there's something that comes across in your music, in this EP, in some respects, very unified, yet at the same time, I can hear individual parts. It's very interesting. I've been listening to this EP a great deal. And on the track we started with, Avatrix, I, I, it's I, just the way that you've put everything together. I'm I'm curious to know about about just the making of the music. Andy, I think, already said that it's it's taken it can take a couple of years, a couple of weeks. There's no sort of set time. But mm-hmm. having said that, is there a f- sort of a formula for for you three to put music together? Shall I answer if that one, wanna, uh, please? Yeah, yes. Dive in there. Yeah. Steve. Well, well, if we say say we take Aviatrix, is that that they all start with one person's kind of idea. So Andy had this guitar riff and he laid it down in five or six different keys simultaneously. Then me and him blended that into some kind of musical shape. And then what we do, then we send it to Jen and say, what would you do on this? And she'll, she'll send back like sometimes 35 vocal parts. We'll sift them. Oh, that's the verse. Then Andy or me or add someone else or someone to come in the studio, play a saxophone on it. And it, so it's a pass the musical parcel between yes. us yes um, they've all started the grasshopper started one of jen's guitars andy's i think was a loop um look at those stars was a mellotron loop from, from an old 60s instrument so but it's, it's the past the sonic parcel that's that's how they end up how they do i think good descriptions too yeah. yeah now the lyrics from what i from what i can hear and from what i see it it does appear to be mostly andy and, and jen am i right about that 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 Absolutely. So for the both of you, Andy and Jen, do you collaborate or or is it something that you, Jen, you come up with some ideas and then Andy throws in? How does that work? Well, it depends. If I receive, uh, like with Aviatrix, there was a verse, there was one verse already laid out. And so I just take it as a concept and respond. I mean, I think that the, the songs where we are singing together I approached in a very sort of call and response kind of little story movie yeah. kind of way. But there are other times when, you know, I just, I think we don't, we don't collaborate with each other. Um, he lays something down. I lay something down. We just play off of it, yes. you know, in our own private spaces, <laughs> you know, and then it comes to get, then later when you, when you look at the whole, you say, oh, there's a little story in there. There's something in there. The meaning is revealed much later. I don't think there's, there's no plan. There's no idea, uh, collective idea about what the song is about or, you yes, know, yeah, what we're exactly. going to write about, so to speak. It, it doesn't work that way. It's, exactly. um, yeah, no, it's nobody like, sits down and, and says that this we're going to make a song about uh-uh, so let's right. all write about uh-uh here. yeah uh it, it it doesn't work like that it works like uh, uh jen will have an idea for for a lyric line and i'll have an idea for a lyric line they may not be related and in fact right. if they are you get a more interesting dream mm-hmm. happen if they're not related you know i i can't hear how the different parts of green green grasshopper are related but it works great i can't hear how the different parts vocally of um aviatrix are related but it works great you know it uh it's they're like separate chapters in a book you read the whole book and then you go ah that's what it's about but (laughs) you don't get it while while you're in it if you see what i mean I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent, which is something which I, I, I tend to do, but I was listening to an interview with a with a very famous musician whose name I won't mention yesterday. I was listening to a radio interview, and this very famous musician was lambasting the whole idea of AI and and working in separate studios and using technology. It was just going off having a rant about this is this was the doom of music this was the end working separately and working you know an ai was going to take over and all the rest of it i don't as i said i don't want to go off on a tangent about this but i get the feeling that all three of you have exactly the opposite idea not necessarily ai but working separately and using technology you consider is important yeah 
Absolutely. Well, it's important for this. It's important yeah. for this project. That's yeah. what this project is. But I, I don't think any of these things are going to be the death of you know. So I, it no more than no more than than paper and pencil was the death of ideas. You gotcha. know. Yeah, it's just another guitar. tool. Yeah, exactly. It's it's yeah. a tool to. Uh, I mean, I, I remember all the fuss when when the um, the synthesizer came around. Yes. Yes. The Musicians' yeah. Union were saying, you know, this is going to kill off orchestras. This is going to kill off real musicians. Of course, it doesn't. It's just another flavor to use. It's another shade in right. in the paint box to use. You know. Yeah. 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 yeah the Why drum, was there? Yes, the drum machine was the same yes. thing. Every yes. it's almost like every new invention is said this is going to ruin music. But the great, you know, people like the people who go forward, like Hendrix, just went with a new invention. Just go with it. It's, yeah. it's happening. And you're, you're, or you can try and make music like people did fifty years ago, but it's kind of been done brilliantly. I think you got a. Totally. I I did a many years ago, I did an interview with the great reggae drummer Sly Dunbar. And I I said to him, so what do you think about sin drums? And he said, man, it's great. I've got another instrument to play. I've got I've got it's it's wonderful. And, you know, and and absolutely, I agree with all of you. And thank you for responding to that. Let's take a musical break. You choose a song. Either any of you. I mean, what maybe collectively you can choose something. I'm not sure how that works, but well, just from choose. from this EP, or if you, it's up to you, Andy. Yeah. If you want to choose, okay. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna stand back here because I actually think that the yeah. order that you hear them in, yes. I can hear them in another order now. So okay. I'd okay. be quite happy with the next number on the record, personally. which is which is race car. Race yeah. car, yeah, yes. race car. There is there is a little story that runs through the whole thing. It's a bit of a. It's in my mind, it's like a seventies sitcom. They're all in different. Fabulous. Let's they're all in different that. anyway. But race let's car play, next. Let's play race car, and then yeah. we'll come back and hear the story. Okay. This is the three clubmen. This is life elsewhere, and this cut is called race car. What should I do? I'm blue. What should I do? 
If you're just joining us, my guests are the three clubmen in Las Vegas, Jen Olive, in a secret location, undisclosed, <laughs> apparently many miles below ground, is the one and only Andy Partridge. And a gentleman <laughs> with a big grin on his face in Swindon, he says, is Mr. Stu Rowe. That was called Race Car. And OK, let's hear the story. As this EP came together, it just became... I, we, we always do the songs very visually. So Aviatrix is about the journey to Swindon. Then um, Race Car is about driving around in Swindon, so it should sound like it's in Swindon. It's the sound of the wet Swindon. Um, wet Swindon. Apparently, it's, well, it's a very wet place, Swindon. Um, and then... The scenery moves to to a desert, um, to to the jungle with grasshopper, and then finally to this desert island. So there's there's just these four bits that the the tale seems to evolve, and they, each song goes into the other. That was the plan. So it's one kind of one fifteen minute thing, if you wish it to be. Yes. Yeah, if you wish it. And, you know, something when I was listening, when I first got the the EP, I was listening and I'm thinking to myself, it's very filmatic. Does that does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. It's, mm. Yeah. It's, yes. There's a I mean, sort of, we all have a cinematic sort of uh, bent, I think. Yes. I think we all really like uh, movies and really like, uh, I think in very cinematic ways, when I hear music, it immediately creates a film in my mind and... I start yeah. looking at the characters and picking them apart and deciding yeah. what they might be up to. Sorry, Norman. Uh, yes, Jen, are you synesthetic? Am I? I'm, I am actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. me too. Yeah. I, I can hear a chord, and I've I've got pictures and colors and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I feel that. it in my uh, fingers too, which is really strange. That is, but fantastic. I get I get a sensory uh, feeling in the tips of my fingers when I hear, and sometimes I can't. I actually don't listen to a lot of music because I will become completely distracted. I, I can't in the yes. supermarket, if there's music on, I can't shop. I have to get out of there. I have to do everything yes. online because I'll just wander aimlessly listening. Oh, did you hear that? Did you hear that? I can't get out of it once yeah. I'm in it. So, yes. You know, oh, that's, yeah. I want to touch on something and this is, might seem like a very small little thing, but I don't know. You guys probably can hear it. But I think specifically my listeners in America, and I've got listeners all over the place, but can you hear the very distinctive Wiltshire accent of Andy Partridge? Stu Rowe doesn't seem to have it quite so much, but Andy, you've kept that accent, which is... Well, it's it's uh, <laughs> it's, Stu is yeah. not originally from... Ah, there, you, no. there you go. Yeah, yeah. I can slip into it. I've been in quite a while. If I'm around... Swind Swindonians a lot, it, 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 you know, it does come, it is there, but Anders is born and bred. It's deep. Yeah. Beyond, top yeah, I mean, years ago, when, when we started playing in London, our, our, you know, in the XTC stuff, yeah. uh, our management would sit us down and say, look, can you disguise your accent? Because you just sound <laughs> like yokels, you know, you just sound like hayseeds or whatever they, yes. they call them over in the States, you know. Yeah. Because and, and I'm being I'm I over the years I've gradually uh, how shall I say ironed down my accent because it was quite bumpy and right quite, ha, you know <laughs> like that old like that old joke you know wh why do uh, why do all pirates sound like they're from Bristol exactly they yeah. <laughs> yes no, Jane I've got to ask you can do you hear the accent is that is that noticeable I mean. As opposed to a different English accent. Yeah, yeah. No, it's all. I'm American. It's all charming. It's all Dick Van. It's all Dick Van Dyke. It's all very. Yeah, yeah. it's all very. Uh, you know. It's all me. You yeah, know yeah, something. Yeah. Something that I hear quite often. People, Americans, will say, it always sounds so much so more intelligent when you say something and i can be saying something so completely daft and stupid and they go oh that sounds really intelligent do you ever get that uh, personally i found that if if i'm in the states i haven't been in the states for quite a while now but yeah. i used to spend quite a lot of time there because i'm married to an american lady um i found that if i got a cab anywhere in say new york or la or wherever i was if i put on my slightly upper class voice they'd do anything for you 
you know, it's the opening doors, carrying stuff, all your, your apartment decorated, you know. It's what, it was, yeah, they wonder if you're a prince. They, <laughs> yeah, exactly, some sort of royalty. Or, yes. Or yeah. So, yeah. so I, I found that I, I cynically would put on the upper class just to sort of tweak, you know. Yes, That's totally understand. I want to ask you, Jen, your background in music goes back, I'm, and, I, and I don't want to be sort of rude when I say this, but it goes back a little while, doesn't it? Why would that be rude? It goes back a long while. I've been around for a long while. <laughs> so yeah. you don't you don't have the Jen Olive Cylinder records? No, I, I yeah, it it um well, I mean if you can if you can call it that, but yeah, it goes it goes I mean my first real stab into the um commercial or the you know official world was with Andy in twenty I think the record came out in 2010. Yeah. So, yeah, it goes it goes back a minute, yeah. yeah g- getting into yeah. the music business, um, mm. and, and I this is something, again, is I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent, but getting into the music business as a woman, mm. is it still predominantly a, a male business, do you think, or, or do you think things have changed? Um, hmm. Well, that's a good question. I think that... Uh, Nothing has changed, and uh, but the capacity to find a way for yourself has grown. So if you are hell-bent on getting right into the middle of the industry and, and where it sits, you're going to be doing, you know, the same thing they were doing in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. But there are many opportunities to create something for yourself in, you know, have it on your terms. Yes. Uh, that didn't exist before. And that's kind of my jam. So, you know, to answer your question, uh, yes and no. Depends on what part of the industry or that you are talking about. Yes. Okay. Good answer. Stu, I want to throw this one to you. And that is over the years that you've been involved in the music business, outside of the technology, but things have changed. People's attitudes have changed. But fundamentally, that's still pretty much, it's the basic thing of, you know, there's guitar, drums and bass and whatever, and and, it, and you get up and perform. And But for you, somebody that's been involved in a number of different bands and, 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 and collaborations over the years, is there any is there any sort of one area or one thing that you can sort of pinpoint and say that has has really changed your outlook on how on how you make music well interesting um i also do quite a bit of music teaching so i see kids at the start of the process you know like when i was 16 and i still think that that energy at that point is you just want to make a noise with your friends and that's that that will never go away for me, the biggest turning point, I say, was the um, invention of the sampling technology that came along. At that point, but you can recreate these sounds and put things in different contexts. Until that point, I've, I've been very much like playing a band. You go in the studio, you put the microphones in, you play the song, you record it, and that's it. But once this kind of uh, the the, there's good and bad about digital, obviously, but I think once you get to the point you can chop stuff up, rearrange it, reconstruct it, so you're making films rather than like a play. So yes. I think for me that was massive. That that took me down a completely different avenue. I still like playing guitar, but just it just opens it up. I think it's a massive invention. William, it's a bit like William Burroughs when he uh, uh, Brian Geisen showed him the technique of cut-ups. Right. Uh, where I, I think Brian Geisen discovered it accidentally. He had he was cutting some cardboard up, and and the cardboard had stuck to some newspaper, and he was cutting up these strips of cardboard. And when he turned them over, he noticed the newspaper was stuck to the back, but it, it was all like sliced down the center of these articles. And then he started rearranging the edges of the different articles together, and noticed they started making fantastic dream like things that you would not get if you just sat with a typewriter and, and and wrote, you know, if you tapped away. He showed that to William Burroughs. William Burroughs started using it to write novels. Uh, David Bowie right. saw it from, from, um, from William Burroughs, started using that technique as well. And so I can see where Stu's coming from with, with chopping up and dicing up collaging sounds, you know, yes. that have all that already exist. It's uh, it doesn't mean you can't make something totally brand new out of them. Andy, I'm, I'm 
I, I'm, I'm not going to say that you're a musicologist. I don't know if that's a good title or not, but you come across to me as being somebody that loves music and is 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 just really into listening. I just want to ask you about music today and how what you hear that that you think is important in 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 what you're hearing musically. The only thing that thrills me about music from any era, well, not the only thing, the, the one of the things that thrills me is the essence of creativity, which is mistakes. If you make mistakes, you will trip your brain into a different area and suddenly you're creating. Yes. If you're not making mistakes, if you're not messing up, you're not creating. You're going down the same pre-programmed path. You're not going anywhere new. You're stuck on the rails. Yeah. But if you make mistakes and errors, all you have to do is, is to recognize that is wrong and that is so right. That's perfectly. <laughs> I never thought about that before doing it with that way or jumping from that key to that key it's really dislocated but it suits perfectly if i bring that note up to it and you get a sense of mm, opening the window and the fresh air coming in you know you get uh, you get brand new ideas by making mistakes so you have to make mistakes you have to make as many errors as you can make that's what thrills me about music the sound of people that sound like they're making mistakes yeah. <laughs> yes oh gosh i love that you know some some people like to go my favorite record is the best record in the world is the best band in the world is and i i I always think to myself, I haven't heard the best band or the best record in the world yet because there's always something new coming along. And I I just I just love that. Yeah, it's, you don't want the whole journey to be downhill, do you? No, do you know what I mean? no exactly. So you hear something at you hear something at 13, you think, yep, that's it. That's, that's it. the very best thing I'm ever gonna hear. What's the point? You know, just just end it all. Which is why I guess classic radio, classic rock radio in America is so successful. Nobody wants to grow up, I guess, in that in that respect. Well, that's that's a lot of it, nostalgia is dangerous. Yeah. It's, Good. It's good to have a little sip of it now and then, but you don't want to climb in a bath of it and drink the bath dry every hour of every day. Yes, because you you won't grow. It's, you're 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 done. You're finished. You know. You know. Just keep moving forward. All the best people just keep moving forward. It's yeah. it's relatively easy to copy what's done. Yes, indeed. Let's let's choose another piece of music. We and Andy suggested we go through the tracks as they as they appear on the EP. The next one, number three, is Green Green Grasshopper. Let's yes. have a quick word about this, Jen. You, you give us a, a little overview of what this is about. Oh, I just love that one. That one is. Uh, I did the guitar for that. Andy put something on top of it that was you know, completely nothing I would think of. And when I received it, it, there was a little movie in my mind. And it was so funny to me that I responded in a completely opposite way. The story is, you know, this guy, he's given this grasshopper a little love note, take this, you know, take this to my special person or whatever. And in my mind, the the woman is walking through the jungle or the field or whatever, and there's this grasshopper like on her trail and she keeps turning around like what is going what is this guy following me what is so she's trying to ditch him she thinks she's being stalked maybe or followed and it just it just cracked me up to think about that to see you know this poor grasshopper like just like you know sweating out there in the field like lady please you know hold on a second i got a message for you and she's oblivious she's just running she's just up the tree and down the ground and it's just very funny to me so I love it's it. A funny little movie. You did this remotely. You didn't do this all yes. in the studios. Yes. Ah. I did the guitar at Stu's. I flew back to the States, and um, I don't know how much later it was when I did the vocal to that. I don't I have no idea. But Let's hear yeah. it. The Three Clubmen. This track is called Green, Green Grasshopper. This is Life Elsewhere.
green grasshopper from the Three Clubmen. I'm talking to Jen Olive in Las Vegas. Andy Partridge is in an undisclosed location. And Stu Rowe admits to being in his studio in Swindon. Admits. Yeah, admits. Yeah, admits. <laughs> Guilty. Guilty. That's true. I want to ask the three of you about something that comes up every so often when I'm talking to two musicians, and that is about their their involvement or writing about social issues or politics or, or things that that concern them, things that they think are important. For you three, is is that something that you're you're concerned about is that part of what you're doing writing about issues that you you have feelings about strong opinions about mm, i do, personally i don't think that's in the three club men arena for me right um because it's not something you improvise about if if you're going to be writing about something that's very deep and important for you yes you you are not going to be you know throwing the paint around you're going to be focusing and then you're going to be thinking oh they're going to hate me for writing this or gotcha. a certain, you yeah. know a certain the the god crowd or the gun crowd or whichever crowd it is you know so i i personally don't want to put that near the improvised spirit of the three club men so it, it's it's important if it's important but not it's not something you improvise about you think deeply about it and that's kind of the opposite of improvisation gotcha totally you the, the jen and Stu. i sound it looks to me like you agree yeah, yeah i don't think there's an intention to do that i mean i know that there's not on my part but i do think issues sort of you know everything can be looked at as a commentary Right. If you if you if you want to look at it that way, I mean, um, but there's no intention there because right. it's too it's too random yeah. what pops out of your head and you throw it in to to have that kind of intention behind it. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's more of an it's more of an abstract way of writing. I think, as as Andy said, that's a sort of a solitary pursuit writing songs with particular mean. I think if you're writing like that, you wouldn't want other people putting their or in anyway. Yes. So we're in the sort of vague hinterland between all three of us. Yeah, so there are a lot of rules in that. Kind of it's more like dreamlike than trying to make any specific points. I think. Gotcha. Right? Yeah. So I see it. So going on from there, then, so writing and and, and making music as as a threesome. But also as individuals, are there things that you that you would like to not necessarily say, but like to do? For instance, with Andy talking about improvisation, is there areas that you would like to sort of maybe go off on? Is is there a sort of something you go, oh God, one of these days I'd love to just, you know, bang a gong. And I'm just, you know, I'm just throwing that out. Get his on. Well, obviously, there's lots of things I'd like to do. I'd always wanted to make uh, an album of, I don't know what you'd, you'd call it, electronic bleeps and bloops, sci-fi soundscapes. Uh, yeah. uh, I'd wanted for years to do that. And I eventually, I never got it out of my system. I, I commenced doing that with an album called Powers, which was uh, uh, an album that uh, was really dedicated to just trying to describe as a kid what was going on in my brain when I was looking at the cover art of sci-fi books, many of them painted by an artist, American artist called Richard M. Powers. And as a kid, I, I was a slow reader and I'd go and get these sci-fi books from the library and I wouldn't read them uh, because I had problems reading. It uh, doesn't seem to be the case now, you can tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, I was a slow reader or bad reader, and I didn't like reading, so I would get these books and stare at the cover art and kind of disappear into them. So intensely did I look at this art that I thought, when I get the chance, I'm going to make the sound that I hear in my head from this sci-fi art. I'm going to make 
one, two, ten records of that. And so Powers was the first one. I'd like to do some more of that. It won't be about Richard M. Powers' artwork. I don't know what it'll be about, but it certainly I like the idea of sculpting the basic clay of, uh, of electronic noise. What a great description. I love that. Sculpting the clay of electronic noise. I love that. Stu, what's your input on this one? Um, what things, new things to do. I, I've i decided I want to be a drummer. I want to drum on a project. I'm going to, I might have to find a very, very young band who haven't been playing very on, long. On real drums. on, on real on... Absolutely real drums. Yeah, I've, got drum, I've got a drum kit in the studio there, and in lockdown I thought, I'm going to learn to play that. And I'm still terrible, but possibly good enough to play in a 15-year-old punk band, you know, if, if they don't mind having sure. the old band drums. So I think that's where I'm going. Drummer in a young punk band. I love it. Jen, <laughs> what do you have to say? Yeah, something that I want to do. I mean, I think I'm kind of, I think I've sort of given that idea away in a way. I mean, I'm I'm kind of doing what I want to do. I don't like to think about what I might do later. I like to do what I'm doing. And um, I mean, I always wanted to, you know, sort of be, you know, have like that punk, uh, punk rock voice, like a really loud, gnarly, you know, voice. And I just don't have the mechanics for it. So I had to step away from that. You know, I dressed the part for a while, but I couldn't <laughs> play the part. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, yeah. it, it didn't, didn't really work out. So I'm just kind of doing what I'm doing, just enjoying it. And and anything new that pops into my my head or my fingers, I just, uh, you know, I just go with it. So going with the flow. Go with the flow. Got it. Yeah. I've got two questions for you. Both these questions I've asked of two very well-known musicians. The first one, a gentleman that I, I got to know quite well over the years, Mr. David Bowie. And... I asked him the question, do you believe in rock and roll? And there was a deliberateness in this because, you know, he's been around he, at that point. This well, obviously it was some time ago. You know, he'd been around for some time and, and you know, his music was lauded by so many people over the years. But a lot of people had sort of suggested that he's moved. He had moved away when he did Young Americans, that he was moving away from from rock and roll in quotes. And I. I wanted to know what he thought and asked him about rock and roll in quotes. What do you think? Yeah. And he said, and I'm going to use what exactly what he said. I love rock and roll. It's in my blood, which I thought was absolutely perfect. Was, was perfect. So I'm going to throw that question out to you. And then I've got another one, which I, which I'm going to ask all three of you. So Jen, what do you think of rock and roll? What do you think? I mean, look, man, that is my that is my foundation. We talked about this before, uh, that my foundations are in hard classic rock. I mean, I mean, what can you say about it? It's it's the fuel when you're when you're just sort of forming your own identity, when you're moving into, you know, adult ish type of play yes i mean rock and roll is like food it's like it's necessary you get your two speakers facing your head and you and yeah it's absolutely necessary but um i believe in art as a whole and i i don't i i i love rock and roll and that's my road trip music that's my you know i love it but i love i love a lot of art though i think art in general is the necessary sort of of course. Life stuff, yeah. Stu Rowe. It's, it's the sound of youth, isn't it? It's like, it's that, as Jen said, it's that sort of mid-teens, what you go out into the world, where you go to musical school is the sound of rock and roll. And the kids the kids today are the same thing. They might use different instruments, but even it, there's still this draw. But I think to still be trying to conjure that up in your 50s and 60s is really hard. It's a, it's a young man's game and... I think you, you can't drink what I used to drink when I was 18. So, I, I, you know, your energy levels go. You have to sort of think differently and look at different ways of making music. I just don't think it's to keep trying to recapture the energy of youth. Well, David Bowie did it so well. If he was still Ziggy, 
still dressing up as Ziggy at the end. It wouldn't have carried. He kept moving. Yes, he did. Keep the if you you can keep the love of it if you keep moving. If you try and maintain it, you it's just just you're not going to maintain it. I don't think. Yes, absolutely. Andy Partridge. (laughs) I think it's not the be all and end all. It can't be. It's only another color in the paint box. It's like somebody saying to me, "What do you think of yellow?" fine it's it's great all depends what picture i'm painting or what room or what i want to wear but i wouldn't want to paint only using yellow i wouldn't want to sit in a yellow only room i wouldn't want to eat only yellow food you'd get sick of it it's it's a flavor it's one thing it's indispensable at being yellow as rock and roll is indispensable at being rock and roll but you don't live on it because that's just unhealthy and narrow and stupid it's like saying all i'm going to eat is chocolate all i'm going to wear is chocolate clothes i'm just going to talk about chocolate (laughs) you can live on chocolate yeah just saying yeah yeah you know what i mean it's a flavor it's like saying it's like saying in in musical terms what do you think of yellow it's it depends what i want to do with it what i want to paint with it you know what it's against is it against you know a contrary color is it against a similar shade is it what am i doing with it what do i want to achieve with it so it's it's only another uh, yeah you you know what i'm trying to say i know exactly what you're trying to say final question for all three of you a very good friend of mine i went to art school with in, in london he went on to become a, a very well known keyboardist his name is Ian McLagan, sadly now dead. Um, yeah, he was uh, he was one of the small faces, right? He was one of the small faces, the faces. And of course, he was at one time toured with the Rolling Stones as as their keyboard player. I had the fortune to do a to do. I was I was emceeing a show in Seattle a, a, a few years back, and. Ian and I ran into one another in the green room backstage and he's like, oh, haven't seen you for years because we went to art school together. And we agreed that we would do a very long interview like this and just talk and chat and, and just go on about whatever. And we had a great conversation, a really great conversation. And he talks about all kinds of things. The last question that I asked him was, age, three-letter word, what does age mean to you? And Ian answered, he said, Norman, I'm going to be 70 next year. I just got my first mortgage. They gave me a mortgage for nine. I won't pay it off until I'm 99. What were they thinking? Are they crazy? Well, two weeks later, he trips over, has an aneurysm, and dies. And it was like it it was devastating. But at the same time, he answered this question about age. And I'm going to ask you three, because it's something we we I know for me, I I avoided thinking about until I asked that old art school friend of mine. What does it mean? What do you think about when somebody says age? So I'm going to ask you, Andy Partridge. What does it mean to you? I am really lucky to be old. You know, I've I've come from a, a business where not too many people get that old. I am really lucky to be old. I'm really lucky to have made a journey, still making a journey, um, and to me, it's it's. Yeah, it's it's just that great feeling of jammy luck. Yeah, I I, I landed jam side up on the toast and and I caught it. It never even hit the floor. You know, it's so it's it's great. I'm I'm lucky to be old. I shall be seventy in a, a few months' time. So yeah, you know, I know what it means to be getting up there. Yes, but it's great. I feel really lucky. I. I uh, I don't do the things I did when I was eighteen. But then again, I. I neither did I do the same things when I was 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 or whatever. You know, you keep changing, you keep mutating. You don't even have the same body as you did seven years ago. Everything is different. Everything is, yes. Jen, 
age. Yeah, I feel similarly. I, I don't really, uh, I tripped out about it when I was, you know, pushing 40. Um, but I think it's, uh, I think it's, it, what's the alternative? I mean, right? You, and you do, you change, you grow, you have a new perspective. And I don't think it's limiting in any way. I think that whole notion is a bunch of crap. I mean, that's just nonsense. There's, what are you supposed to do? Apologize because you're still alive and, and you want to do stuff? No, it's, um, it's great. You, the, the older you get, the less you give a rat's ass. That's an awesome factor. Yeah. Um, you know, there's really a lot of freedom. And yeah. my whole trip in life has been needing to feel that sense of freedom. And the older I get, the more I feel it, you yes. know, less wild, but more free. And, and that's what it's all about for me. So I dig it. I like it. I'm enjoying it. So, you know, and I hope to keep enjoying it. So for me, age is, is, is a good thing. It's a great thing. Sturo. I totally agree. I actually turned 62 days ago, so I've, just, I've been pondering this, this. You're just a nipper. You're just a youngster. I know, yeah, I've been pondering this thing. Um, and I've, I've got to say, I think I'm happier than uh, more at peace than I've ever been. I think as you get older, you can just let things go. Do you know what I mean? Things that were really important that you strive in the competitiveness. And like, as Jen said, you just become yourself. The more the older you get, you can become more of yourself. Mm-hmm. That's the aim. And, uh, so yeah, I think life gets life's got a bit easier. I think less less struggle, more just enjoying. We've we've been making this this bit of music, and it's been absolute pleasure, you know. And so, mm-hmm. so more of more of this, more doing music, not to try and get anywhere, just for the actual sheer joy of doing it. And I think in the past, I was trying very hard. Yes, there's, a, there's just a joy, just enjoy it, you know. Well, I'm certainly enjoying it that you've made this music and I know that my listeners are, and it has been an absolute pleasure to talk to all three of you. Just a joy. If you want to come back on at any time and just have a chimwag, I I would love that. This is, this has been absolutely delightful. I have been talking to the three clubmen, Andy Partridge. And Jen Olive, you three are wonderful. Thank you so much. We're going to go out with the last track on the EP. It's called Look at Those Stars. Thank you all so very much. Most appreciated. Cheers, Norman. Thank you, Norman. Thank you. See ya.
have been listening to Life Elsewhere, created and hosted by Norman B. Life Elsewhere is written and produced by Norman B. Guest booking and additional research by Stephanie Lane. Behind the scenes assistance by James Van, Bruce Goodman, and Allison Klein. We love to hear what you think about Life Elsewhere. Send your questions, queries, and comments to info at lifeelsewhere.co. That's C-O. 